This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined as always by Manchester United legend Paul Parker to talk about another roller coaster week at Manchester United. Um, Paul, how are you doing this week, mate? I'm not bad, Wayne. I'm not bad at all, mate. Just been yeah. there. 420 minutes of football for United. Yeah, um, an extreme 120 minutes, which obviously we're going to cover, not in 120 minutes, but <laughs> as, as briefly as we can. Uh, if you're watching live, please like and subscribe. If you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to take your questions in. Also, trying this out on my Twitter feed today, so feel free to join in if you're um, on there as well. Just a few housekeeping things on the website. Friday, I did a show, a podcast with with Lee Lawrence and Phil Marsh, which is on our YouTube channel. Uh, they talked about Phil Jones and the mental health aspects of the injury that he's had and everything like that. Two guys who've gone through similar things. Phil was there at the club with Ollie when he had his own injury that was similar to Phil's. Really, really interesting um, conversation I had with those guys. Um, on, on the website, talkthedevils.co.uk, there's um, a couple of articles I've written, uh, football taught by Ron Atkinson which is part of the series of United's um, tactical history. Um, I also did a write-up of um, the match of the weekend, if you want to relive that. Um, and Matt Gillia's comment, uh, column of last week is on there as well. Um, best place to start, really. I mean, we, we could talk about West Ham briefly, the, the League Cup. Um, everyone will be interested in the sort of Villa comments, but let's very briefly cover what happened against West Ham, Paul. 20-odd um, shots. It's going to be a similar story to the thing, but we changed the entire team. They had 10 changes. Um, we had loads of shots. For me, at the time, I looked at it and I thought, oh, that's just one of those days. You know, you see them in the, the the League Cup. All those players were kind of rusted. They needed minutes. Um, couldn't get the ball in the net. 20-odd shots. They, I think it was six on target. And really, they never really looked like scoring. There was a couple of chances. Matter hit the crossbar, the keeper. So I don't know if you got a fingertip to it. But other than that, that was it for United. Um, I, I thought it was one of those days at the time, Paul. How, how did you see that game? There was a um, Jesse Lingard shot where the keepers made a save to to his right. And he just got down to it. Jesse hit it quite early. I can remember that save and went over the bar. But as much as you say about the man shots, when you bring out Hamani on target. It's easy just to keep 
every time how people how they count all the stats now you know it makes it maybe seem better than what it is but if you watch the game and as you mentioned they didn't look like scoring you have to say that the keeper didn't really have that lot to do there was a lot of good defending by West Ham but when you look at the game and you see how when West Ham attacked their tactics maybe better than what Manchester United did there was more positive there was quicker in their um the way they 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 moved the ball, they weighed a shift it, there was more progression with their passing going forward and it should have been theory, it maybe should have been three one if you want to talk about the two they missed at the end. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. I yeah. mean Yarmolenko's one, I mean great great news. I mean sometimes he's incredible how quick his feet are, but he should have scored that. Regardless of, that should have been that should have been game over. Then he scored that one, but you know, I think United were very, very lucky that, the, you know, that it was Mark Noble going through. Someone who's got as much clue scoring goals as what I have, to be perfectly honest. The way he didn't know what to do, he panicked and kicks it straight at De Gea. And um, sorry, not De Gea, I'm Henderson. And yeah. no, but you look at United and you saw, you know, the way he went about the game, what he wanted to do, and you say to yourself, it's just, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna happen. There was players in there who haven't had a lot of football. Maybe should have had more in, more competitive games going into that, and it was important, so important, to be still in still in the cup. So important. I imagine that Ronaldo would be furious because that's a game gone for him to score goals, and he's going to want to score goals. You look at it as well, the likes of Cavani. Why wasn't he playing? Why you know he sat, he was on the bench at the weekend. You wonder why he wasn't playing. Why? Was Martial playing? It's been going on for too long. This story It's becoming worse for you in the Blimini Stenders. You know, it's, it's it's just miserable. The whole thing is miserable. And when you just, you know, you see, you know, the way he, his body is, your body language, you look at the way he is in his face, there's no enjoyment. You know, as the saying goes, he looks like someone who just doesn't want to be there. He's not enjoying himself. And all he seems to keep persevering and persevering. He's got to stop now because all you're doing is. I think wor- worrying. Everyone is just getting wound up. The situation that he keeps playing him, and he's getting nothing. He's getting nothing in return. Yeah. And if he can't, if he can't give him goals, give him hard work. You know, give you do it for your teammates. Forget about if you got a beef with a manager. Do it for the other ten people on the pitch for you. Yeah. That's all you got. That's all you got to do. And at the end of the day, if you're letting your teammates down, that's a, you know that's criminal compared to like a manager. You can deal with a problem with a manager. But if you're not doing your job for the team, then you get and you're almost being called out by the team because they're looking, not trusting you because they don't believe you're going to work for them. That's your biggest problem because other other players are watching that. And if you turn up at their club, it's going to take them a while to trust you. Martial isn't doing anything at all to help himself. It's, it's not. It's just not good enough, Wayne. What is what is giving back in return for the moment for the amount I should say of opportunities he's had. To go out there now. If he was to go and as he gets on one of those runs, when he he went on runs and he was scoring three, four goals repetitively, like in games, just everyone you, you go with that. But now it does, he doesn't look like he's going to score a goal. To be perfect, that's the worst thing. Yeah. Um, with the Andy Cole, um, Andy Cole comparison, I want to make. Um, you mentioned Martial's selfishness now. Cole was like that for the first year and a half he was at United, and um, the thing about Cole was that. He evolved his game and he became more of a team player. Never 100% because you've got the selfish instincts of a goal scorer. And don't get me wrong, you need that. And he needed that. But 
Um, there was a, a period of time where he definitely acclimatized. He changed probably after Cantona retired, basically. He sort of changed his game a little bit, became more involved in the link up. And um, I think that time's gone for Martial, by the way. I don't think it's coming. Um, I think it's gone. Um, move on to Villa. Um, it's basically everything you've just said, but with different people. Um, I think Villa deserved the win, first and foremost. They executed the game plan perfectly. They had one clear chance in the first half, at least one, but one definite um, glaring chance. A couple of good openings in the second. They frustrated, as teams do when they come to United, but they took the time and they knew that they'd get a chance against us. It came at the end, and then you had this conclusion, this bizarre conclusion. I mean, first of all, um, it came at the end from a set-piece, and we've got this set-piece coaching and we've always looked susceptible of scoring from things. So that's that one thing which is a bit of a nightmare. But then you had this conclusion where Fernandez gets the pen at the other end. Um, Mike Dean sort of finally bows to that pressure that everyone's been um, saying to, to give a penalty. Um, but then he steps up to take it. And he had this sort of bizarre um, subplot going on in the game where the first free kick was given and Fernandez took that and the second one went to Ronaldo. And he's like, well, Bruno gets one and then... Fr- Ronaldo gets the next. And then, obviously, when Bruno stepped up to take it, I, I don't think anyone in the stadium expected him to score. I'm not even sure Bruno expected himself to score. And then the, it's one of the worst kicks. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think, like, you know, he's come out and apologised, which I, I don't think he needed to do. Um, but, yeah, it just sort of summed up the game. Um, we'll get to the team plan and the individuals in a moment, Paul, but, you know, the game itself, uh, what did you make of that? Uh, Villa, right, uh, to win, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Villa lost 3-0 at Stamford Bridge. And and, he turned, and they lost at Stamford Bridge 3-0. They didn't deserve to lose 3-0. If Villa had got a draw or taken something from that, no one would have been surprised. Even Tuchel said about it. He talked about how his team played and how Villa played. And even he was surprised. You know, he said, we scored three goals. He's virtually saying, we scored three goals. And that was all they'd done. You know, and he, yes, he'll take the win, but he is performance orientated to cool. Like the man, who, the man who retired in 2013, he was performance orientated. Didn't that? Didn't matter how much you won, he was worried about that. We beat Coventry City five 0 away from home at Highfield Road, and we got in after the game, and he gave us a rollicking after the game. People down in the corridor at Coventry mostly couldn't believe it. He went mad at us because in the manner in which we went about that game taking it too easy. We didn't play in a, in a fashion of a Manchester United team because people were taking liberties, but, but you know, over-elaborating because the game was won and whatever. So that's how, you know, he saw it, Sir Alex, and the way Manchester United are as a club. And so performance performances do matter. The win, yes, that's, they're the bits that take you up there, but performances is what what works you in there as, an, as a player and as a team. But... The moment I saw that team again, every time I keep seeing this team go out and I'm seeing the midfield and I'm going, try tested, proven able, but not proven to go forward yeah. in the game or over a season to win things. It's, it's, it's just square pegs in round holes at this moment in time. Can't find a hole somewhere for Pogba to settle. So just put him in a team and let's hope it works out. Villa's midfield was better. Yeah. There's a lot of better midfields than at this moment in time than Manchester United. You sit there and you just, you just look at it and you watch them. 
and I see a lot of different teams and you just see that they've got more fluency in what they do. There's more cohesion. There's kind of a, there's a plan from the ball transferring from the back line through the midfield to go up front. They've got it in the head what they're doing and you look at it and, you know, and all of a sudden you see players dropping off, dropping off and, sorry, dropping off, um, dropping, you know, dropping off deep to get the ball in the back line and you don't you don't want them there because you you know that's not their strengths. Their strength there must there must be more of a strength for a reason why they've been they've been put in there rather than just to go deep and get the ball when you think so if you've got centre halves who can do that why don't the centre halves push it in there? Why is it only like you're looking at Fernandez to make to transfer the ball into a Ronaldo or out to a Mason Greenwood or out to whoever's playing on the left hand side. You wonder there. You, I mean, I'm even starting to wonder what the reason was to go and be the only people bidding on Sancho and end up paying 70 odd million. And you think to yourself, his strength come from for um, Dortmund was playing on the right hand side. And all everyone's really seen of Sancho's montage is put together. And yet he's played on the left hand side at the moment. Am I seeing the, the, the early kind of the early signs of another Van der Beek scenario going on, you know, because you look at it, you look at Mason Greenwood, so at the moment he's got to play. You can't not play him, but it seems like Sancho's not happy on that left side. He's, he's just, he's not he's not in the game. He, he is way out of the game. He, you know, he, he's not playing him in the games that matter at this moment in time. He keeps going tried, tested, and still and still not, still not improving midfield. And it's, yeah. I think I'm get I'm getting bored of it. It's becoming tedious, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are no different to me. They're not seeing anything. All they've seen from this season so far, what's what's the biggest thing that's happened is that Ronaldo's Ronaldo's come back home, as they say, and that is it. Shirt sales have gone up. Ronaldo's shirt sales have gone massive. Football-wise, nothing. Yeah. Well, from the stands on um, on on Saturday. It was the first time that I'd seen something that um, they were um, not people against Ollie, but there was a little bit of frustration there. Firstly, with the team, but secondly, with with the way they were playing and a lot of frustration towards Ollie not making the changes. Uh, obviously, the team plan was somewhat impacted by the two injuries, but it has to be said that um, again, like you just said, that it was an obvious day where we saw the midfield that he trusts isn't up to the job in home games like this. Now, it's one thing to not dominate, um, but it's another not to be able to do the job that you're actually in there to do, which was is the big concern with them. Um, and, and a lot of people have sort of come to me and said, oh, Fred made a few interceptions and played well, but I just thought he and Tomine were very, very poor. They might as well not have been in it. We, we could have been playing with 10 men and just one man in the middle, and that's how you know that game would have panned out exactly the same. So, so poor. And... Um, I just don't know what to say because we've said this many times on this podcast about um, the midfield not being fit for purpose, but it's there. We'll get to that. We'll get to the entire conundrum in a moment. But for, for this game in particular, you're exactly right. This should have been um, this should have been a more proactive selection. Um, another thing I wanted to mention on this was was the fullbacks. I mean, you've seen, been saying for a while about Luke Shaw probably before the Euros. Uh, that he's, he's formed it's a little bit before at the end of the season where perhaps he was getting a little bit ahead of himself um, and he needs to go back to the basics. He's taking too many chances. Um, there was a couple of times before the injury, he um, 
there was one moment where the ball was bouncing really high and you knew he shouldn't commit for it. And he did, he like, there was like about two or three seconds where the ball was in the air and you knew that if he went for it, he'd get caught out. And I think that's where Villa got their big chance from, you know, the, the big chance in the first half. Mm. Because Shaw just took a gamble. He committed to a ball that he wasn't going to get and he should have been more sensible and sort of just stepped back for a second. Because that was his strength last season when he sort of played himself back into form. It was because he was making the sensible decisions and, yeah, he got a little bit of confidence and he went forward, but he was doing that from sensible positions and I don't think he's doing that at the moment. Um, whereas wan on the other side, you expect the basics from him, but the basics at the moment were a couple of times, Paul, where um, he overran the ball. Um, he, he stood still controlling the ball. He was in possession of the ball and he overran it. And then um, that was a, some point in the second half where he did that and then he sort of miscontrolled it and he went out for a throw. And there was a lot of criticism on him there. And I just think that regardless of all the other parts where it looks like a collection of individuals, like you said, when you've got two fullbacks not providing the width because those two wide players come inside and the midfield isn't doing anything, it's deeply concerning that. It's actually, when you look and see where United are, one point off the top of the table, it's strange to consider where they're considering those problems. Yeah, well, I mean, I've always said that um, from the start of the season, people are talking about because well, with Ronaldo coming, can they win a league? I said, no, he, he isn't going to, he isn't, he's going to make a difference, but I think more of his impact is going to be off the field, as we've seen already. It's about him off, you know, it's about him off the field, it's about what's happening marketing-wise rather than on the pitch, yeah. because it's still not good, they're still not good enough to win the league. It's as, it's as simple as that. And, you know, all everyone's talking about this unbeaten away record. For me, that's irrelevant, being unbeaten. Because if you're losing games at home, what difference does it make in, in yeah. that sense? And when the performances are what they are, and then when you look at the situation from the fullback, I mean, it, when you look at it, when it, um, Ollie, when he wants to, when he really needs something and he, he wants to get it right, and that is not to get beaten, he plays that tried and tested midfield. And the problem is that Paul Pogba will not stay wide. So mm. it leaves Luke Shaw exposed defensively. And then he feels obliged to keep filling that berth in front because Paul Potter is tucked inside, which is great because that's what happens when you're in possession, decent possession. Paul Pogba would step inside as a fullback, you'll go around. The problem is Paul Pogba is virtually starting in the middle, then maybe going wide. But the problem is Luke Shaw's going, he's, he's feeling this. I don't know if it's because, because the media pushed it, because people are saying it. He feels obliged to go forward every single minute. He keeps running forward. He's, his body shape says he's got to pick the times to go and do it because he can't consistently do it because he's not an actual athlete. He's not there. He's he just You just look at him and you go, you can't keep doing this. It's just not going to work out. And he's being found out, being yeah. found out in certain ways. He's not, and, and he's not, um, in a word, um, he's not a, a streetwise defender. He doesn't sense danger. He's very reactive in the way he defends. And sometimes he has to go over physical and use that bulk of his yeah. to get him out of trouble, to go through people. He gives away a few silly fouls because he's overextending himself yeah. ment you know, mentally and and physically as well. So he has to do that. On the other side of um Wan Pasaka, he just I think at the moment he looks like somebody who's very low at the moment and he's he's feeling yeah. under pressure, but and everyone's got an opinion about him. He's got a massive strength in his defending. 
And he's got to go back to basics and he's got to do that. Stay close to Varane. Make sure you're covering around him. Win the ball and just give it to someone early. They Don't dribble. You can't dribble. He's six, he's six foot 20. You can't. He, he just he looks ridiculous when he's trying to do step overs and drop, trying to drop his shoulder. It's a long way to drop a shoulder. Just do your basics. Pass and yeah. move. Because once he opens those legs, if he passes, opens those legs, it's going to take pretty good defending to, first of all, to see it. But if not, to, if you don't see it and see it later, to recover. But he tries, he's trying too hard and he needs to simplify his game. And then maybe the two centre-halves will be able to sort themselves out because Harry Maguire keeps giving the ball away cheaply, overplaying. He's convinced himself that he's a ball-playing centre-half. I think he's got to go back and become what the number on the back of his shirt, to be honest. You normally call it someone just head it and volley it. Do yeah. your defending job and let the front six do what they're meant to be doing and trying to make goals and score goals because it's, it's just looking all bits and bobs. It's like Bob a job. You're just pulling people in off the streets and putting them in a red shirt. And because they're playing for United, you're hoping you can go and win games. Yeah, it's a strange one as well. I know what you're saying that, but it's the. That six is meant to be pragmatic, and they they're just not. So if they're not doing the pragmatic side of it, just put two attacking players in there, force the issue at the other end. If if you're gonna concede chances, just try try your best to have competent midfielders in there that are gonna hit at the other end. It's, you mentioned about um, Varane there, and there's one thing that I've noticed with Varane. Well, he's actually getting used to playing with Wambasaka as we're watching it happen. So he's actually pulling himself out wide. There were a couple of times on Saturday where, particularly in the second half, where Wambasaka was, he didn't know what to do because Varane had sort of drifted from position. Now, I don't know if that's Varane's responsibility to sort of say, you know, this is what I normally do. You need to be doing something different. But I think that's, they obviously they're working that as they go along, but it was a little bit of a concern because it's leaving a big space and you can't leave a big space around Maguire. And we, we've learned that. Um, so yeah, obviously Villa deserved the win. You can't come complain with that. The, the more minor grumble was that he might have been offside because um, he's, he's blocking the goalkeeper. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that was. I think sometimes, Ollie, you know, you you look how your team's performed. You look at how the other teams performed, and it might be like it might be a little bit. But you just got to not saying just let it go. Just look at the situation. It wasn't obvious. Could it have been? It might have been. Did the goalkeeper look like he was? In that way, what was what was what was the reaction of the goalkeeper? What was the reaction of the players? Nothing. Yeah. No complaints. And yet he's sitting on the side, he's turning around, looking at an iPad, and at the end of the day, you look at that and you think, okay, he scored a goal. Did you deserve to win? No. Yeah, Villa's a better team. Yes. And that's how you've got to look at everything, really. And sometimes Ollie and he starts speaking and things, and I think myself, yeah, sometimes are you trying too hard? to maybe be like the boss in that yeah. sense. We all know that he's a mentor, his mentor and whatever it is, but you have to still be your own person. Just put your hand up now and again and and just and just accept it. I think sometimes people would rather that rather than hearing little petty things, especially the way they played on Saturday. A lot of supporters maybe just thought, no, don't say that. You know, wasn't good enough on the day. Bill had got what they deserved was to come away from old traffic with three points. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lucy's right in which says Cavani should have come on earlier, and for the love of God, can we use the right wing? The interesting thing I thought with the Cavani sub um, was that, as much as yeah, Cavani had a goal power, I didn't understand why we didn't bring Sancho on because 
you've got Ronaldo in there. Don't move him left. He's not going to put your crosses in. You need crosses coming in for him. Um, Dallo wasn't doing it. His crossing was pretty bad. But Sancho, theoretically, should have been there to do it. That's what he was bought for. And like you were saying earlier, we're in this position now where it's only a month into the season and that's what we've got to keep remembering. But it does feel straight away like, oh, is he going to be the one then? Because you've got you've still got Rashford to come back, and Cavani's gonna you know he's gonna be in the mix for games. Like, and now we've left the, the league cup. There's fewer games for these players to get chances. So it brings us on to like the the point everyone now is talking about Oli, and they're going on about you know how much time does he have and blah 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 blah. Three defeats in four games over a number of competitions. Nearly 60 shots in the last two games. Only 10 of those on target, and they never look like scoring in either of those games. Um, familiar, Paul, if you can remember this, remember when David Moyes had 20-odd shots and 80 crosses against Fulham? Everyone mm. always pulls that one out. And, you know, we we have been a podcast where we've defended the manager and we can see the good that he's done. But, you know, we've also called him out on the criticism. We, we, we've been there to sort of like say, you know, he's he, sometimes he does look naive in the role. It does sometimes look too big for him, like you've just said there. He's learning on the job has been a phrase that you've said many times. It should be remembered that, obviously, there's a number of different elements in the job. There's a sort of like, you know, you've got to play young players, you've got to play attacking football, you've got to win, you've also got to understand the identity of the club, and then you've also got to be a manager that can handle the press. And it should be remembered that all the stabilisation of that he's done. None of the predecessors did that, so you can't discount what a difficult job it is to do that, because those were experienced managers, but and Paul, you know better than anyone, on definitely on this podcast, but better than most anyway, the feeling around the club has been more like its old self this last three years than it was at any point in the last six, so you can't discount that, but the point is that there has to be a concern that even if we don't expect United to win a title or a Champions League because of that poor midfield, they have to be doing better than what they have been in the last few weeks. And there is a potential within the players that Oli's got to be better than, than what we have been. You know, he has been a patient man. You've, we've talked about this, the, the pluses and minuses of this, like the Lindelof, he wasn't good enough, but he stabilised the defence. Luke Shaw, we've all seen the benefits of that. He seems to be wanting the same, he wants to will McTominay and Fred to become better players than what they are. And it's not working. And it seems like that's a hill that he might well die on in, in regards to whether or not he keeps the job or not. Because I think this now we're in a period where he's going to be defined by his ruthlessness or inability to see what we can all see, which some might say is patience, but he's going to cross over into negligence. The issue is that in the next eight weeks, we've got Liverpool, Spurs, City, Chelsea, Arsenal in the space of six games, basically six league games. Spurs and Chelsea are away games. He's not going to gamble. That, that midfield is not going to be gambled with. Really, he's not going to do it, is it? He, um, mm. It's a difficult one because I can see, on one respect, that midfield is winning big games. But he has, I don't know what he does because there's got to be, like Everton, Villarreal, and we'll come on to those games in a moment. Those are the games where he's going to have to now try something and hope that it works. Or we're all going to see that. And he's basically, we're all going to be touching some lucky rabbit's foot or like a table near us to sort of say, can, can we get through that period um, in terms of results? Because a lot of people now are probably thinking, I don't care if we don't get through that period because he'll find Ollie out and then we'll be looking for a new manager. Um, I don't necessarily think that that will be the case. 
I think that is the set of results that is going to define how, not if we're certain that he will be a brilliant Man United manager, but if we're certain that he won't be, if you get what I'm saying. We, we can learn mm-hmm. it. This next period of games, we'll say, all right, we, we know that he's not really the man for the, the long-term job, and it'll be a case of when and not if he gets um, replaced. How do you see that for Oli? Because, I mean, that's the gamble that he's now got. This next run of games, which is going to be very difficult for him, he has, regardless of what anyone his critics say, and regardless of how much I agree with it, um, the, the progression has been third to second. There has been a development there. He has stabilised the club. He's going to look at that and think, oh, I think I should stick with what I've got. Um, but like I said, he could very well have his future defined by not making a change. What, where would you stand here? If you were Oli now, I mean, because it's a very difficult, it's not an easy situation for him. It's not an easy solution. A lot of people will be saying, just play Van der Beek. But it's not as easy as that, because if he plays Van der Beek and it goes wrong, he's still going to get the criticism. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that he's played Van der Beek, but what he's done is he's, every time he's played Van der Beek, he's put him in a team of non-regulars. He's gone yeah. into teams with other players who haven't played a lot of games, so you've got players who are sh- struggling for match sharpness. Forget about training every single day. If you don't play games of football, you, you lose that awareness. It's like, it's, like, it's like not driving a car for six weeks and then suddenly jumping in the car. And it takes you a while to get used to you know things that happen around. And you need that, that driving sharpness to regular driving to help to get, you know, to keep it, you know, to keep you going, repetitive driving, I should say. But you know, look at that scenario. With Ollie and Van Baker, that Van Baker's never got a never start, you know, didn't has never had a start in a game like Aston at the weekends, yeah. being out there. So, so it's a bit, so it's a bit of a, a concern for me and and what he's going to do and and it's, there's there's reasons why people want to be managers and there's reasons why people don't want to and the, the one of the reasons why is having to make those big calls and having to stand with them and be ready for the repercussions if it doesn't go your way. Be, if he goes and makes that call now and say plays Van der Beek and he doesn't get that result, he's not going to get the next game. People ain't going to accept that Van der Beek's going to need time to bed in. They just want they yeah. believe it will happen now, and he doesn't work that way. So Villarreal is a big, big test, regardless of you know how things are at the moment. If United were at the top of their game, playing Villarreal would be a tough game. You know, I've seen it too many times over the years in those champ- the Champions League and group games just really struggle to beat them. It's just those one those games and I think it gets in the heads, it's in the heads of a lot of um lot of fans thinking about VRL now playing them, especially with the manager as well. Who's you know, there's just something there's something about that game. And you look at Everton last season, three one up, and it ends up three all, doesn't it? Yeah. If I'm correct. Yeah. So again a, a little bit about Everton, you just don't know the manager. He'll be up in his game even more because it's Manchester United. He hasn't. He's still got that that instinct in him. You know, being the manager of the other team in Liverpool and coming to play at Old Trafford and looking to get something from it because he'll keep them closed up and very tight to make sure or trying to help himself to get something out of the game to take something away. So these two games are defining games at this moment in time. They're either going to get over them and do it right, you know, and take get three points on the board in the Champions League, then another three points on the board in the Premier League, 
and then that will, that will ease, ease the path into the game after. If he doesn't over these, you know, over these two games, get get what he what he's expected to get out of them, then you know it's all going to be starting again. You know, also Manchester United could be talked about as much as what Arsenal were at the start of the season about their form and results. They're always talked about more than anyone anyway, aren't they? So, um, <laughs> Ian Sterling thinks a good point here. He says the team don't ever seem to start games with a high tempo or in the rare instances where we do, we don't sustain the tempo. That's on the manager. It's a good point. And I think that that's what's got to change in the next couple of games. United have got to start fast. They've got to get the crowd up, especially both games at home. They've they had a, a run of four home games and they've lost two of them without scoring and never looked like they were going to mm. score despite having loads of shots. You can't allow that trend to continue. And like Paul says, I think every competitive game has been drawn against Villarreal. Um, mm. I know we lost on penalties. Um, Lucy again says that Van der Beek is not the man. And that's a good point again because you're in that um, situation where there's all these different midfielders. Matic, he doesn't have the legs. You know, the, the other alternative is then, like it used to be in your day, Paul, when there's a senior player not going well, a youngster's waiting in the wings to come and take his place. And United haven't had that. It's just filled with a lot of squad players. The closest that we've got is Hannibal in the under-23s, who's played quite well. He looks like he, he might actually have a presence to sort of... Normally, I mean, he plays a little bit further up as a creative playmaker, but I think they've tried to play him a little bit deeper to see if he can boss games a little bit, have a little bit of presence in the middle. And he looks like he's got a bit of the confidence to do that. And it makes me wonder, do you look at the Villarreal game then and put him on the bench and say, bring him on if, if we're in a position where, where we're winning? I mean, it's a very difficult situation for him because, yeah, as I said before, the Champions League, like against young boys, you can't afford to really rotate your team. That's right. But I, I look at the moment in time and it may be just the wrong game just to suddenly bring... In from the cold, it doesn't. It seems it seems too panicky to go and do that. Should have been in and around already, rather than put a big onus on him because there'll be a press coverage around the lad, and he doesn't need all that. He's got Cavani there, and you pinch yourself. Can you kind of knit a Cavani in and around a Ronaldo? Could you yeah. get something like him playing in and around him? I'm not going to say off him. I'm not going to come out and say in a number ten role because that sounds a little bit too like I I sit around playing FIFA too long and I would straight away want to closet him into one position. But you look at the way Cavani plays, he's a goal scorer, he's a goal maker, but he's a workaholic. He never stops running. He's a fantastic athlete as well. And you look at someone like Ronaldo, Ronaldo would respect someone like him. And Ronaldo likes pulling off of people and and he's, and he's strong in the air. But And he looks, and if someone keeps running in behind, as Cavani will do religiously, just make those runs from deeper areas, really, so people can see the runs. Is that going to create space for Ronaldo? Or is, you know, all those different things come into it. I mean, Fernandes works in and around, but it needs another, it need, I think it needs another dynamic player on the pitch because you look at it, they're quite laboured. They're laboured at the back. Midfield is laboured. McTominay, Fred only comes to life when he's, chasing around the ball like a scurrying, scurrying around. He's just going around, but not with the ball. McTominay's very upright and, well, he's, he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't get around the park quick enough and it needs more sharper players. When you look at other, other teams, they've got players. You look at, you look at Villa, how quick, how quick were their feet in midfield? How did they, when they 
counterattack. How quick were they when they'd done it? And they'd done it, you know, religiously. It was it was a kind of play, and that was, you know, like it was in my time. Everything was about that. The moment you was under pressure, the back four would get under pressure, win it, and they just deliver it. Bang! It goes into the to the players who can produce very very quickly. It wasn't say I Brucey or Pally try to dribble out. They gave it to players who could go and do that job better. And it seems like everybody's trying to make themselves look better all the time. Instead of saying we're a team, it doesn't matter who looks better. The, the best thing that can happen out is that we get a result together. And it's not that way at the moment. It's very, very like individualist. Everyone's an individual and there's nothing happening. There's not, there's no, it's not no fluency in the way they play. And it's quite boring, to be honest, watching it. You just, you see, I mean, I still go to the West Ham game, you know, the West Ham game when they played them in the Premier League, it was still laboured. West Ham set the halves, looked sharper with the ball, sharper the way they defended was, was better. West Ham in midfield was sharper and better. The difference was that when it really matters, it's extra little bit of quality, the individual suddenly yeah. just gets you over the line, Wayne, and you, you can't keep relying on that all the time. Have to have to be better. Have to be better than that. To be perfectly honest, can can United play four four two with sort of Fernandez and can we say Fernandez and McTominay in midfield and say Sancho <laughs> from the left, Cavani and Ronaldo up front, and Greenwood from the right? Yeah, I, I really don't. I really don't see why why they can't. To be perfectly honest, but. Doesn't seem to want to be that way. It's just it just becomes a case. And sorry about it's just just myself. Me battery battery went a bit low. I didn't realise it was that low. Um, <laughs> the hardest <laughs> the hardest thing is is to make that decision to to change it in case it goes wrong. But it's 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 going to be it'll be better. Be better. I think there'll be more. Everyone would know their jobs. The hardest thing he's got to do is sort out where to get the best out of Paul Pogba week in week out. I don't think he knows exactly what he's doing. I don't know if he could go and play that that bit further up and make a difference up there. Would he liven it up? We know one thing that he wouldn't be as sharp as a Cavani, but I don't know. You know, at the moment in time, it's a case of waiting for Jesse Lingard to come in and, and do something. And I, I don't know where that story is going at this moment in time, but Oli has to do something different. He can't, when it isn't going what he wants, keep relying playing McTominay and Fred and I'm sure I've been persecuted by a lot of people but I say it again, you play those two together, you 100% don't win Premier League titles yeah. you might get over the line in certain games, but you're getting over the line not playing in the fashion that Manchester United team has always been playing in, or the belief from people watching it, they're going to get this kind of performance that they would expect from a Manchester United team they've been talking to their you know, talking to their, their kids, their grandkids. This is what, the way United used to play. And this is, and they go and watch them play. And they go, oh, where's these wide players that go but bomb on and these crosses coming in and this kind of counter-attacking for United? Where's that? And it, it isn't now. It's relying on individual people who got their fingers crossed that Mason Greenwood can do something special and catch everyone out when he hits shots early. They're you know they're becoming really reliant on Mason Greenwood and it shouldn't be that way it should never be that way you should be in enjoy, enjoying watching the young players knowing watching playing but knowing that they can get help from their senior players around them 
So the pressure isn't always on. There's, yeah. As much as what Ryan was, Ryan was an incredible talent, but it wasn't ever on Ryan's shoulder to win games on his own for Manchester United. They've taken as special moments because it was a young boy, 17, 18 year old boy, who was doing unbelievable stuff, but it was other people who were sharing a load with him as well. At this moment in time, you look at it, the load is on Mason Greenwood and Ronaldo. And yeah. that's it, wrong. That's wrong. The the thing with Ryan as well is that he stretched games, didn't he? And he opened made space for other players, whereas Greenwood's doing it all in front of people. And yeah. I had a little bit of sympathy for him at the weekend because he had sort of three or four he had the three or four big chances for United, but he made them all himself. And maybe on one or two of them you might have thought, Oh, he could he could play the ball off. But I'm thinking, well, he's worked to get himself into that position. And you know, he's earned the right to have a shot when no one else is providing that ammo for him. So it's difficult, and those are the games where you're going to learn your, your decision making. Um, and you mentioned there um, the sort of style of play and everything, and that's where Ollie is now, isn't it? Basically, he's at this point in time where um, if he doesn't, he's basically got to look at the changes um, what are available to him and make the decision because this is such a critical period for him that he now looks at it and thinks. Am I going to be ruthless enough, or or do I have faith that this is going to get me through? Um, you know what I mean. It's a critical decision. I, I honestly think he has to be ruthless, and that if he's not, then he's going to pay the price for it. He'll ultimately pay the price for it. A lot of people are saying, "Oh, he signed a three-year deal in in the summer." Well, Mourinho signed a three-year deal, and a few months earlier than that, he was probably on a lot more money than what Ollie was. Um, they're not going to. Yeah, I know there's a sentiment there with him, but if he's not doing the job, he's not doing the job. Um, but at the moment, you've got to remember, we're still only one point off the top. We only lost our first league game of the season. We're now talking about this in a critical term because we can see that there are um, improvements to be made and they could be made. Um, the the next game, uh, Paul, to close off, is going to be Everton. Um, they come to Old Trafford again. They started the season with a similar record to us, um, which is more impressive because of who they are and where they came from. And um, they've got Benitez as manager. He knows what to. You know, he's had success at Old Trafford before. He, he's going to look at the, the results of recent weeks. He's going to look at the performance of a team like Villa and think we're more than capable of doing the same thing that Villa did. Um, and he's not going to be afraid of killing a game to get a result. Um, it's going to make that one a very, very difficult... Well, it's a big test for Ollie because if he passes it, then it answers a few questions. But if not, it's going to add to, to the questions that are being asked. Yeah, I mean, when, when they play Everton, Everton's strength is their manager. Because as a team, they, you know, they, they're not as good as Villa. They, you know, they, they haven't got the energy levels. They're quite a slow team, haven't really got any quick players. They're relying on um, um, Gray. And the lad who they signed from Mark Ray, who they signed from Leicester City. He's been a shining light from Andrews Townsend, has been absolutely fantastic for Everton, scoring and making goals. I saw him when they, I was at the QPR game, the League Cup. Andrews, Andrews um, Townsend was absolutely incredible. Done everything. Anything that happened then going forward, it was only him. He made a goal, he scored a goal, and he's, he's been like a little mini revelation for them. and Fans are taken to him, but it's about Benitez more than anything, how he's going to go about it and make try to make the game as difficult as possible. And the one thing that United have to do, and it's important to do, is score that first goal. They have to score that first goal, and if the earlier they do it, the better. And then you're asking questions of, in my opinion, quite a poor team, quite a, a slow midfield. 
very slow back back four. I mean, only the, the left back, Adinia, is their um is their quickest player. The two centre half. I mean, you, you know, they they're just they're not that good. They, but they've got a manager and maybe one of the best at organising teams. We've seen already um, about him what he done with when he went to Chelsea. He fought against adversity at Chelsea, and then he went to um, Newcastle. And they, they still see him as a hero out there in Newcastle. That's why Bruce is not getting, is getting what he's getting because they like Raffin, which is ridiculous. But that's the way they know, we, we know about Newcastle, what they're like. But again, with Everton, there's, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll shore him up because he was left with a mess, really. Absolute mess when, the, when Ancelotti went. Ancelotti was, was all over the place, Everton, with players. It, just, it was madness. So he's got a, diff, a really difficult job. So... If United score early, you believe that they can go on. They don't. It'll get harder and harder. And that's maybe then when, you know, you need the fans then to try and do something. But if he doesn't get it right, you know, it could be a little bit of, it could be quite, it could be a, t- a tough ride. But it all depends. And then we're talking about the Everton game, but there's that game, there's that game before. And as you know, Wayne, if the result doesn't go right in that game before, Saturday is even tougher. Really, really tough. Yeah. Um, sorry to end the podcast on a fairly somber note, but that's where we are at the moment. Um, predicting a, a difficult week ahead for Ollie, and hopefully he comes through it. Um, we've talked just before we came on air. We were talking about how Ollie's been in this position every single October going into it. It looks like he's in a position where he, he could lose his job. Um, so you know, I mean, we've got. I, I know a lot of people think he should be sites, but I think as supporters, you want the best for the club and you want everything to work out. So hopefully, you know, we do put in two great performances over the next uh, two games and that's what we'll be talking about next week. Um, whether or not that will convince for the long term is something that's only going to be um, something that we can summarise over those tough games that are to come, but that's what we're here to do. We'll talk about it every Monday morning, as we will be next week. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts, and like and subscribe. If you watch on YouTube as well, get your um, comments in on YouTube, even if you're watching on, on replay, and we'll try and get to some next week as well. Um, we'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.